Have you always thought the Old Testament feasts were only for Israel? If so, you may be in for a surprise today, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Shalom and welcome to Messianic Perspectives, a daily program where we look into the scriptures from a distinctive first century Jewish point of view. Today, our Bible teacher is Dr. Gary Hedrick, president of CJF Ministries. Gary's topic for this current series of studies is the Spring Feasts of the Lord. He's explaining how the seven feasts in Leviticus 23 are not only significant in themselves, but also how they collectively form an exciting outline of God's prophetic plan leading up to the second coming. I'll be back at the close of the program with news about a special offer. And now, here's Gary. Thank you, and Shalom Havarim. Welcome, friends, to another edition of Messianic Perspectives. It's good to have you with us today as we continue our study of the Spring Feasts. Now, we've come to Yom Habikarim, or the Day of First Fruits. Let's look at it here in Leviticus 23. Here's what he says, beginning in verse 9. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, and say to them, When you come into the land which I give to you, and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest. Verse 11, he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted on your behalf. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Now, waving was holding the sheaf up in the air and either waving it back and forth or from side to side. It signified the interaction between God and man. And by the way, you know, we hear so much today about interactive games and interactive programs and interactive presentations. These things are all computerized, you know. But you know what? These feasts are the ultimate in interactive programming because that was what they were all about, interaction between God and man. They were like interactive object lessons designed to reveal spiritual truths. They are rich in symbolism and typology, like here where the priest offers a way offering to the Lord, which symbolizes communion between God and man. It's an act of worship. But that's not all. Look at verse 12. It says, And you shall offer on that day when you wave the sheaf a male lamb of the first year without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. Its grain offering shall be two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil, an offering made by fire to the Lord for a sweet aroma. And its drink offering shall be of wine, one-fourth of a hen. Verse 14. You shall eat neither bread nor parched grain nor fresh grain until the same day that you have brought an offering to your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. All right, now let's look at how the first fruits symbolized the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to draw on Targum Jonathan for this, as well as uh, some other Jewish uh, sources, traditional sources, because they explain exactly how the day of first fruits was celebrated in biblical times. And this is how it was done. The arrival of first 
firstfruits was a big celebration in biblical times. First of all, the Sanhedrin would send out emissaries from Jerusalem out into the fields on the other side of the Kidron River. These emissaries from the Sanhedrin would watch as the townspeople took the standing crops and bundled them together while they were still standing in the fields to make it easier to cut them down with one swing of the sickle. Then, as the sun began to set, people would begin to arrive from all the surrounding towns. Because remember, the 16th of Nisan begins at twilight. When it was finally dark, someone would say, Has the sun set? And everyone would answer yes. Then he would say, With this sickle shall I reap? And they would all say yes. Then he would say, In this basket shall I put it? And they said yes. And if it happened to fall on a Sabbath, he would say, On the Sabbath? And they would say yes. And this series of questions and answers was repeated three times, each time with more excitement than the time before. Then they reaped the first fruits of the grain and put it in the basket. From there they marched in a procession to the Temple Mount, where they parched the grain with fire. Then they put it in mills for grinding. Once it was ground into meal, they took out a tenth part, which was sifted through eighteen sieves. This was the omer, because Remember, an omer was one-tenth of an ephah. And then oil and frankincense were mixed in with it. Then the whole mixture was lifted up and waved as a wave offering before the Lord. Then a handful of the omer was taken and burnt, and the rest of it was eaten by the priests. Once the ceremony was completed, then it was okay to harvest the crops. Now, that didn't necessarily mean that all the crops were ready to be harvested, but that was when you could start taking whatever was ready. And they didn't waste any time either, because by the time the people were coming down from the Temple Mount, the streets of Jerusalem were already filled with people buying and selling meal and parched corn. It was a very festive occasion. Now, let me give you a messianic perspective on some of the symbolism of this whole celebration. And by the way, you're not going to find this written down anywhere in the Bible. You know, I get letters and emails from people who want to know where I find some of this stuff. Well, I'm sorry to say there's not a divinely inspired glossary at the end of your Bible where you can look uh, these symbols and types up. Uh, when we talk about types and antitypes and symbols, these things can become a bit subjective, and we know that. We understand that because they are largely spiritually distinct. But you just listen and see if your spirit bears witness with what I'm about to say, uh, then you can accept it. If what I'm about to tell you doesn't make any sense to you, then you can just set it aside. Because what I'm about to say is definitely not for everyone. A lot of people, you know, it just kind of goes right over their heads, and that's okay. But maybe this will mean something to someone. So here's a suggested interpretation of first fruits and the counting of the Omer. It's a messianic interpretation. First of all, we know the Omer came from the barley harvest. The early first fruits marked the beginning of the barley harvest. We talked about that. And remember, barley was very common. It was the poor people's food. Then they counted off 50 days until the wheat harvest. Wheat was more expensive. That's why the poor people ate their barley loaves, while those who were better off ate real bread made from wheat. 
So there was a progression from barley to wheat, from poor to rich, from humiliation to glorification. Now think of the Messiah. He came from heaven, humbled himself, and became a common, simple working man, like the barley. But later he was glorified and ascended back to heaven. So there was a progression from humiliation to glorification, like the progression from barley to wheat. Notice also that there was only one sheaf for all the people. Now, at Passover, it was different because each family brought its own lamb or its own goat. And at unleavened bread, again, each family had its own offering to bring. But now, at first fruits, only one sheaf is brought to the priests and offered to the Lord. Not many sheaves, not sheaves from each family, but one sheaf for the nation. And could it be that this is to emphasize that there is only one way to God? Not many ways, but only one way to God, one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. There is only one mediator, one Savior, one Redeemer. That's what the Bible teaches. And he is Yeshua the Messiah. Yeshua himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father except by me. And if that sheaf represents Yeshua the Messiah, think also of the fact that that sheaf is made up of many parts. Many stalks of grain make a sheaf. And likewise, there is a mystical sense in which we are part of the Messiah. The New Testament says we are in Him. So that when he died on Calvary, we died there with him. The Apostle Paul said he was crucified with Christ. And the life that he lived, he lived by the faith of the Son of God who loved him and who gave himself for him. So we are identified with Messiah Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. Because we are in him. Whatever happens to us happens also to him. And whatever happens to him also happens to us. Just like Saul of Tarsus was persecuting the church and Jesus appeared to him and said, why do you persecute me? Not the church, but me. Because whatever someone does to the church, they do also to Jesus. Now watch this. The Sanhedrin sent representatives to cut down that bundle of grain and make all those stalks into a sheaf. Likewise, the Sanhedrin sent representatives to apprehend Yeshua, Jesus, under cover of night, just outside of Jerusalem. In fact, it was near Kidron. And like the first fruits were brought to the authorities who threshed, winnowed, dried, and parched it with fire and then ground it into meal so it could be offered as a sacrifice, in the same way, Jesus was brought to the courtyard where he was beaten, mocked, ridiculed, and literally poured out his soul unto death. The oil and frankincense they poured on the omer identifies it as an offering, like Yeshua, and speaks of its acceptability to God. And the waving of it denotes interaction between God and man. Man offers the sacrifice, and God accepts it. So the waving signifies the resurrection, because that's how God confirmed that he had accepted the sacrifice of Yeshua by raising him from the dead. In fact, when Paul preached at Athens, he said, one day God will judge the world by Jesus the Messiah. And he said, God gave proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead, Acts 17.31. So the first fruits signify the resurrection of the Messiah. 1 Corinthians 15.20 says, Messiah Jesus was raised from the 
dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. We'll talk more about that next time. Until then, this is your friend Gary Hedrick saying, God bless you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Gary. And thank you, listening friend, for tuning in today. It's always good to have you with us, whether you're listening from home, at work, or in your car. This is Messianic Perspectives, and you've been listening to Dr. Gary Hedrick talking about the Spring Feasts of the Lord, the seven annual meetings outlined in Leviticus 23. We have all the programs in this series available in a set of three CDs packaged in an attractive binder for a suggested contribution of just $18. That's the three CDs entitled The Spring Feasts of the Lord by Dr. Gary Hedrick for a gift of only $18. Just visit our secure online store at MessianicSpecialties.com to place your order. If you would prefer to order by mail, just address your request to Messianic Perspectives, P.O. Box 345, San Antonio, Texas, 78292. To order by phone, use our toll-free order line from the U.S. The number is 1-800-926-5397. Let me remind you that when you order the materials we offer here on the program, you're not only enabling us to remain here on your station, but you're also helping us take the good news of Yeshua HaMashiach to Jewish people and Gentiles all over the world. Even if you're one of our regular listeners, you still may not know that we're much more than just a radio program. Messianic Perspectives is sponsored by CJF Ministries, one of the largest missionary organizations in the world. We currently have missionary families serving the Lord all over the world, including the United States, Canada, South America, England, France, and of course, Israel. So when you write, consider helping us with a gift above the suggested amount. We'd be very grateful. And as always, when you're in touch with us, please mention the call letters of this station. If you're listening to our webcast or podcast, we need to know that too. I'm Liz Aiello. Join us next time, won't you, as Dr. Gary Hedrick continues our series of studies on the Spring Feasts of the Lord, right here on Messianic Perspectives. Messianic Perspectives is sponsored by CJF Ministries of San Antonio, Texas, and is made possible on this station by the free will contributions of our listeners in this area.